Hello and welcome to the Reflecting Light Show. I am your host, April Rogers, and today I am delighted to introduce you to Leslie Lamb. Leslie is a counselor at Mercy Multiplied. She is also happily married to her supportive man, and she has two wonderful daughters. So welcome, Leslie. Thank I you. I am so glad that you are here. I know, me too. So uh, years ago, you and I were in Bible study together yes. and just formed a friendship yes. that the Lord has fortified and has kept us in touch after I, all of these years. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I think we actually started at MOPS, Mothers of Preschoolers. That's right. Yeah, I love all that. And again. who would have thought we would be here? I know. Because our lives have radically changed since That's then. Right. That's right. <laughs> I remember you were in Bible study and you said that you were a wordsmith. And I was like, oh, what is a wordsmith? <laughs> and then I, you would you would look at the Greek or the Hebrew definitions of these words and just oh, dive yeah. deeper. And I was like, I want to do that. I want to start to implement that. And then all these years later, I went to seminary. And right. Now that's you what did I do. more of that. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's fun. I, I love that. that. Yeah, that was so fun. Well, I'm glad that you're here. We're going to just talk about, you know, your story and how the Lord has brought you out of the darkness and into his light. And I know that, you know, you have seen many women over your lifetime that you have helped to bring into his light as well and they've yeah. been able to find freedom they've been able to get healing from yeah. hard things but really it probably began with you receiving your own healing absolutely um and you know that's the thing is like there's always that place of self-disclosure you know maybe yeah. you don't say it in the session but there's always this understanding of I'm pointing you towards the bridge to walk across it because I had to walk across it first. Right. And I remember um, my own story is just that, you know, I was molested at a young age. Um, for many years, we just called it, I was inappropriately touched. Yeah. <laughs> but that's really just a soft term for a very invasive thing. Sure. And it started when I was about 12 years old. Um, there was somebody who was about three years older than me. I was in boarding school. Um, yeah. My parents were missionaries overseas. And so I just got to a point where I couldn't continue homeschooling. So I went to boarding school. And there was a lot that kind of happened in our life, and maybe that could be in another show. Mm -hmm. But it all led to this relationship with this other young man. And the struggle with trauma like that and, and molestation and the complexities of being a victim is that there's really this connection that happens too. So here was an older boy mm -hmm. who was fairly handsome, fairly popular in school, and he was showing me attention. Now, it wasn't necessarily attention that I wanted. I wasn't asking for it. I wasn't in a relationship with him. He would approach right. me privately and do these things to me. But there's the complexity of I'm a victim, but at the same time, I'm alone. And so I'm getting attention yeah. and I'm getting affection. And then there's that overwhelming shame. And so that was very confusing for me. Oh, I can even imagine. I, mean, I, I have a 12-year-old mm -hmm. right now in my home. And yeah. To think about just her, how everything is so 
brand new for her and mm -hmm. she's just trying to figure things out right her own body and identity and self right so right. I'm sure that that was really tough it was it was confusing. very yeah very yeah. confusing very shame-filled like you know it was this is happening privately but no one can know yeah. so like I knew all the people in his circle and he knew all the people in my circle we were a very small school so whenever I, his girlfriend would be around, that was just awkward. Like, how do you reconcile right. this is happening and I can't tell you? Um, mm -hmm. And then there were adults that were around us too. And, you know, you're like, I'm trying to tell you that something is happening, but then how do I say that and you believe me? Because this seems bizarre. Like, sure. you know. So struggling with the rejection too of like, right. I'm accepted in the secret place, but I'm rejected in the open. And so that created a lot of self-esteem issues, mm -hmm. a lot of struggle with that, and you know, struggling with depression. So secretly, I'm, I'm struggling with confusion, I'm struggling with depression, I'm, I'm struggling with being a victim, but also, you know, here's this guy and he said, He's going to protect me, and you know mm -hmm. this is kind of the payoff of that. Um, so yeah, just super confusing, and went on for three years until he graduated. Wow! And then when that happened, that became the really dark place because then, then who am I now? And not right. only that, but I was 17, so I was getting ready to graduate from high school and leave Korea, where I had lived for. 13 years and I was having to reconcile that too. So just a lot of who am I? What's right. going on? How do I get through this? Mm -hmm. Until finally I decided I was going to end my life. Wow. And I made a plan. Um, the timing of that and everything, I was going to make a choice to do it on a weekend where very few people were there. And you know, that's another misconception about people who are suicidal is that they're selfish. And I will say this, a majority of time, not only in my own life, but in people that I meet with, they really are trying to think of how to exit in such a way that it causes the least amount of struggle. Interesting. But you're still talking about ending your life. Right. But I remember just considering like, if I do this, I don't want anybody to be hurt. I don't want anybody mm. to be scared. I don't want to, you know, so like I literally planned it so that it would be separate from people being there, that there would be a minimal amount of blood. Like that's kind of morbid, but I really literally remember walking through those steps. Wow. And so you were a believer at the time? Or? I was a believer and I yeah. love Jesus. Yes. And it's not that I really wanted to end my life and not exist anymore. I just didn't want to exist in the life that I was living. Right. And I really felt like being in heaven with Jesus was so much better than the internal conflict that I was going through that I just was focused on that. Like, you know, my parents, I know they're going to hurt, but they'll get over it. But ultimately... I'll be at peace. And I guess yeah. that's the selfish part because I was just tired of the internal struggle and the turmoil. Yeah, that's tough. And the, so um, I, I had never really thought about it from that standpoint before. So that's helping me just kind of 
put myself into your shoes or anybody who's hurting that badly yeah. to say, you know, hey, I, I just would, I don't want to be in my reality yes. anymore. Yeah, that's it. And even as a counselor, if you ask people like, you know, so do you, so you want to die? And majority of the time they'll say, it's not that I want to die. I just don't want to live my current existence. To be here. Right. Yeah. And so how were you able to, to talk yourself out of that? Well, that was the lie to the Lord yeah. <laughs> because I, I had all of that set and I, I went into the bathroom and there were pink tiles. Like it's all so clear. Even as I think about it, I, I remember that walk down the hall, walking mm -hmm. into the bathroom and I was holding, you know, my weapon of choice. And I remember just seeing something in the faucet. I know that sounds so strange. But something caught my eye. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, I'm determined. I'm going in this direction. But then something caught my eye. And as I looked at it and it distracted me, I heard the Lord say, and I know, audibly, I don't know. To this day, I can't tell you. Did he audibly say that? Or was it so strong in my mm -hmm. spirit that I heard it? Yeah. But I heard him say, stop. You have to live for her. Wow. And... I felt it so strongly that I dropped whatever I had in my hand and I ran to my room and I was like, God, like, I hear you, but what does that mean? Because this yeah. is hell. Mm -hmm. I am so torn up and I am so confused and this is hell. And I remember the Lord saying like, yeah, but I'm going to walk you through it. And it's not an easy journey and it's a mountain, but we've got to climb it. And I was like, I don't even know where to begin. And this is the beauty of God because we think all of this happened in a moment, but mm -hmm. he had been planning it. And the way that I know that he had been planning it is because as diligently as I had been planning my end, he was talking to a very good friend of mine. And she was kind of, you know, artsy and, mm -hmm. and like to sew and stuff like that. And the Lord had told her that weekend, you're going to do a project for Leslie. And she had hand sewn this photo album and it said, cast all your cares upon the Lord for he cares for you. I love that and she had taken on three by five cards and written probably 25 verses of this is who you are in Christ. Wow. This is how he sees you. This is how he loves you. And so... The Sunday that she came home, she was in the in the boarding school with me. That Saturday night is when I attempted and I ran to my room and I just sat in, in total darkness. I did mm -hmm. not leave my room that day. And she came home around noon that day, which was earlier for her to come. And she knocked on my door and, and here's the thing, no one knew wow. that I was struggling. I was um, in drama. I was had awards for acting. Like, mm -hmm. no one knew. And she came and knocked on my door, and she said, Hey, do you have a minute? And I was like, in my heart, like, no, not really. I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to be by myself. But, you know, put on the show. Yeah, sure, what's mm -hmm. up? And she said, I, I made this for you. And... I just remember thinking like, you've been thinking about me mm. all weekend. Like it still makes me emotional just to think about right. that. 
but just the goodness of the Lord. Like right. she was thinking about me and my life yeah. at the time that I was thinking about me and my debt. Mm. And she gave yeah. that to me and it was life changing. And yeah. that's when I learned about the power of the word of God to speak a better word over our life. Oof. I got chills. I mean, over. and yeah. it saved my life. Yeah. It saved my life. Literally. Yeah. Literally. And yeah, she had something. no idea until years and years later when I finally started opening up about that season of my life. And wow, she's still in my life. She's wonderful. I mean, what a testament to being a mentor and just loving you through that and just being obedient to yeah. what the Lord told her to do. Right. Whenever the Lord spoke those words to you and he said that you're going to survive for her, mm. do you feel like that was for you or for the women that you would counsel later on in life? All of so the interesting. Above. Yeah. All of the about. above. I mean, yeah. and you know, before I started counseling, I was writing and I was writing mm -hmm. these books about girls with life controlling issues, which was really my revolution of my narrative just presented mm -hmm. in three different characters. And so it was just, yeah, I, I feel like my whole life has been saved and apportioned for all the hers, including my own daughters. I didn't have right. any sons, and I don't think wow. that's a coincidence. Right. So it's just really amazing. I love that. So amazing. Much. And so one of the things that I like to provide the viewers with is just a way to, for them to know that, that they are not alone if right. they are struggling with something like this, if they feel like they are hopeless and that they cannot get out of that darkness and they are suicidal right. when you're thinking about that. What is a way, you know, the, the woman did that for you, right. but what are ways that they can hold on to hope? And I would encourage anybody who's in that situation, like the enemy is telling you there's no hope. And the enemy is telling you that the world is better off without you. And the enemy is telling you that your life can't amount to anything. But I am telling you that it is a lie. And if you would take the courage to reach out to someone and tell them, what are those voices inside your head? How can they walk with you? Because the enemy is telling you nobody cares, but that's not true either. Like that's right. we care. And so taking that courageous step sometimes shame-filled step to say, right. I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. And I need you to walk alongside me. And I, no, I don't know what that looks like. I didn't know what the hill looked like that I knew I was going to climb up. But it's that place of trusting God to bring people in your life, people that you trust, that know the Lord, that pursue the Lord, that speak truth, not just anybody. I just right. don't think that just anybody can come into that place of darkness. It really has to be somebody who can see the light. That's good. Just like that woman did for you. Absolutely. Too. Yeah, I love that. Um, some of the things that you talked about was that, that shame. And shame yeah. is universal, but it's also debilitating. And it keeps us alone in the dark. Right. And so can you just talk to that for a minute as a counselor, as somebody who has been there, but also as somebody who knows how to move past that shame? Yeah, absolutely. Well, shame showed up in Genesis 3, yeah. <laughs> right? We like to talk about how sin showed up in Genesis 3, but really 
the whole thing that that was surrounding was just shame, like right. to separate us from God and each other. And okay. so, and that is the purpose of shame. It says there's something wrong with me, but really just some bad stuff has happened. Mm -hmm. Like people took advantage of you and that hurts you, but it's not because something's wrong with you. Right. And I think, and, and that was your story. I mean, the, you did not bring that on yourself. That was something that was done to you, right. but then you started to have those feelings. Right, absolutely. And, and and that's, I think, the mind game that the enemy also plays with. And I'm saying enemy because I believe that we have an enemy of our soul and whether other people agree with that I or not, too. but absolutely. there is a plan for destruction <laughs> and there's a plan for victory. And I John am, 10, yeah, it's in there, absolutely. it's in the word. Yeah. It is, and so, I think that the enemy really, especially people who have been through molestation or sexual harm or sexual trauma is just this idea that you brought it upon yourself, you know, right. that if you had done this, this, and this, it wouldn't have happened to you. Or it's just, it's a really dangerous thing to take on the messages of shame. Right. Because it no, it just doesn't affect you. It affects everybody around you too. But it, it can be so powerful, but God can break it off. And I've mm -hmm. experienced that. Like I can think of those things in my life and yeah, I mean, I think, oh, I hate that that's a part of my story. But at the same time, when the enemy uses it against me, because he still does, he'll bring up memories. You know, like trauma is embedded in our brain. Our amygdala sure. holds on to those things. And so when the enemy tries to bring those things up, I'm like, yes, <laughs> that was a part of my life, but it is not who I am. That's good. And I literally have to say that out loud sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, ugh, you know, those memories can be so invasive sometimes. And I just have to say, yeah, that sucked. Yeah. <laughs> that was a part of right. my life. That 12-year-old had no idea what she was about to become a part of. But mm -hmm. that's, not who she, that's not who I am. Exactly. That's not who I've become. And you don't get to reframe my identity because of something that happened to me. That's really good, Leslie. You gave the analogy of climbing up out of that hill. Mm -hmm. And I like that because it gives you a part in that you it, it wasn't like God just transported you out of the valley and onto the top of the hill no. I mean you had to put in the hard work to get the healing yes. that you needed and to be who you are today right to right. be effective for the kingdom and ministering to other women right and so how were you able just to wake up every day strap on those boots and get to hiking <laughs> by the grace of God, yeah. like I can't, <laughs> it was nothing that I did in and of myself. It was just the knowledge of like, we're going through this. Like this is, this isn't the stopping point that was determined on that Saturday night. This isn't the stopping point. So I know like I need the strength to take the next step. And to be honest, sometimes that looked like doing the routine of my life and then I would have a lunch break and I would go to my room and I would just sing and I would just sing praise music oh, to the Lord and it's like I could feel him singing it back mm -hmm. over me and like people would be like that's so strange but 
I can't explain it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> All I know is what I experienced and that would strengthen me and it would give me the courage to go into the next thing and the next mm -hmm. thing. It makes me think about David in the Psalms too Absolutely. because he would do that. You know, he would be depressed, but he would start to sing. And it, whenever you read through them, at the end, usually he'll end with, you know, my soul glorifies the Lord and I sing your praises and I exalt you. Right. You know, so he ends there. He might not start out there, but right. he'll end there. He will. And, and it is powerful. I think it activates something inside of us yeah. and gives us a grateful spirit instead of just looking inwardly, then mm -hmm. whenever we look outwardly and we look up at Him, right. it begins to bring in the light and the healing Absolutely. that we need. Yeah, and I thought about this, you know, preparing for, you know, coming here and talking to you, and the Lord kind of dropped this in my spirit, and it's so true. With someone who works with trauma all the time, mm -hmm. like, I think trauma is trending, and so we're talking about it, but I think the most important thing that we need to know is Trauma is the enemy using our pain as a weapon. Okay. And we have the ability to turn that weapon around if we embed that trauma with truth. And that's so good. that's that's what I'm for. Let's <laughs> rewrite your story where the trauma doesn't become the overwhelming shame factor, but the acknowledgement of there is truth and there is hope that can be lived out of this. That's exactly what I'm trying to do here with this with That's the great. show. It's just to take people's stories, you know, and everybody has a different story. Right. Um, mine is mine is different than yours is, but not focusing on the loss or the trauma of it, but focusing on our faithful God. Yes. And what He has done. Yeah. For us. Right. And I think that that's a beautiful way to look at it, but it's hard to get there. You know, not everybody is able. It is, but that's the journey. You mm -hmm. know, that's the journey up the mountain that you can only see when you get to the top. That's right. You you can't see it when you're in the valley, and you can't see it when all you can see is the next step ahead of you. Like you can only gain that understanding from the place of freedom. That's right. That's right. Oh, that's good. That just gave me a a word picture in my head of when Adams proposed to me, it was in Sedona. Oh, and I've so been there. It's we gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Yeah. And so we went up to Cathedral Rock and he did not know what the hike looked like. Mm -hmm. And so we get out and we're hiking up. It is a mile hike up to this top of the mountain. And so finally we make it over that last ledge and it is breathtaking mm. and it is beautiful and it is worth it. You know, your legs are screaming and you're like, right. oh my gosh, I just hiked a mile <laughs> right. all the way up this mountain. <laughs> but whenever you get there, it is exhilarating mm -hmm. and it is a place of freedom. Mm -hmm. And it feels so good to mm -hmm. have that wind just kind of like blowing your hair and you know, okay, so it was worth it. It was worth the physical effort. Yeah. And in this case, it's worth the emotional and spiritual effort right. to get to where you want to be. Yeah, absolutely. And now you get to call other people up on the mountain. Like, right. I see you in the valley. Right. <laughs> Come join me. It's yeah. awesome. I know. Get up here. It's yeah. great. It's exactly. Great. Okay, so how did the Lord take you um, in your professional journey mm -hmm. of bringing you into this place where you said, okay, I want to be a counselor to women and to help them find that freedom? Well, and that 
you know, part of that came from, so I wrote some books. Um, I had been in youth ministry and I just stepped out of youth ministry because I wanted to focus on my kids. And in that, I was like, you know what? I feel like I want to write a book. And, you know, I, I liked to write at that time, but I wasn't like doing it very publicly. I just kind of had a blog. But this is how the Lord works. I just got a random request from Dutton Publishing a long time ago to be like, we're looking for uh, teen fiction that is Christian, and would you be interested in submitting something? Okay, that never happens never in the happens. publishing world. <laughs> never happens. I'm here to tell you. So yeah. I know that that was the Lord that saying, was. hey, why don't you start this project? And mm -hmm. so I did. Now, Dutton didn't accept it because it was too Christ-centered. <laughs> Um, really? And it was too also adult led, like there were too many adults that wanted to get involved with kids' lives. But I also, mm -hmm. it's true, there are adults that want to get involved in kids' lives right. and want to be a place of wisdom Please, and encouragement. Right. And so anyway, they ended up not doing it, but I kept writing and kept writing and I'm working on the third book. But in the midst of all of that, I would go and speak and share, you know, a little mm -hmm. bit about that publicity and stuff like that. And uh, th sitting at the table, listening to these young girls tell their stories is what motivates. I'm like, Lord, I want to not just be a part of telling their story. I want to be a part of helping them heal. And that's when the Lord said, okay, well, then you got to go get your master's. And, wow. yeah. you know, I know and here we are that. seven yeah. years later. <laughs> crazy but it's awesome right yeah. but it, and it is so necessary and such great work and I know I know personally of several women who have come to see you and and maybe they went through something that triggered the fact mm -hmm. that they had a similar story as yours mm -hmm. that they had been molested or sexually assaulted and they were pushing it down mm -hmm. inside of them yeah. And then whenever that started to bubble up to the surface, they did not know what to do with it. So praise the Lord that he did have you start the ministry for her. Yeah. For her. Yeah. And for her. Because then they've been able to come. And I know that part of the, I hope that I'm allowed to say this, but part of the program at Mercy is that they have to write out their testimony. Right. At the end. Right, right. Which for me, writing out my testimony changed everything for my life yes. because then I could see God's hand that's right. in every aspect of it. And so I think that that's healing too mm -hmm. for those women. Absolutely. Just to be able to do that. Yeah. So thank you for what you're doing oh, in, in the community and it. in the world, letting your light shine. Thank you. And thank you for being a platform yeah. so that we can share more about that. that. I yeah. love that. All right. So I have one more question, but it's a lighter question. Okay. Sure. What is one thing that is lightening your load today? You know, I have to say two things. Can I say two things? Two things. Um, Go for it. Watching cooking shows because <laughs> that just, I can turn my brain off and it's, it's good, you know, That's just so self-care. Yeah. yeah. But also, I, I have some close friends that I pray with and meet with and they're like my Aaron and they hold my arms up mm -hmm. and... I couldn't do what I do if I didn't have that community. And I just encourage anybody, like if you need to lighten your load, then you need to share it. Yes. Yeah. I love that. And so one more thing that I was thinking of while you were talking and you were telling about your friend that had been thinking about you mm -hmm. all day whenever you were in that dark yeah. place. 
um, you, the Lord has turned the tables and has allowed you to think about other people because just recently I woke up to a text from you (laughs) and the Lord had given you a dream for me, which was such a blessing for me because so often time in ministry, I'm the one out ministering to others. How can I pray for you? How can I do this for you? And to get a text like that from somebody that the Lord just put me on your heart was a gift. It was a gift, not only that you as a friend would reach out in obedience Mm -hmm. to tell me that, but a gift from the Holy Spirit and a gift from the Lord to know that I was on His mind too. Yes, yeah, we are on His mind. I love that. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Well, thank you, Leslie, for coming in today. We're going to have you back on because we have so much more to discuss. There's a lot to unpack. (laughs) Yes, but this has been so fun and enlightening. Thank you for being my friend and a light in my life. Thank you so much, April. Hello, friends. Thank you so much for tuning into the Reflecting Light Show. We hope that you enjoyed it and you got some positivity out of it. If you did, please let us know and share it with a friend. Until next time, go and be the light.